Welcome to Voices of Nature. I'm Bob Ludke, an advisor to Global Conservation Corps and the creator of the Voices of Nature podcast. Voices of Nature is dedicated to sharing the voices of innovative, passionate leaders committed to saving and protecting the world's most threatened natural resources. In today's episode, we are speaking with Matthew Kripal, one of the best snowboarders and surfers in the world. Born in the mountains, raised by the water, Matthew is pushing the boundaries to create a series of unique expeditions that combine his passions for snowboarding and surfing. Woven through all of his amazing journeys, championships and friendships with people around the world is his love for nature. As Matthew has said, nature is the source of challenge. It drives us to get better. To capture the magnificence of some of his expeditions, Matthew and his collaborators have created a series of films to bring all of us into his experiences with nature. His goal, I want to share, to learn from my experience, and to enrich those of other people. Matthew, with those wonderful sentiments, welcome to Voices of Nature. <laughs> well, that was a really nice introduction, so thanks a lot. Super happy to be there. Well, we're, we're really excited. You're, you're one of the, the first people that we've interviewed that's been able to combine such amazing uh, experiences and passions and skills like snowboarding and, and surfing. So we're, we're quite excited to, to hear more from you and about how you're bringing all of those together to protect nature. Yeah, well, it's it's wonderful ways to get involved uh, in nature. So uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much my life. So it's always been in in connection with nature, thanks to uh, to to what I do and what I love. So I guess on that note, let's start there. How do you combine your your wonderful skills as as the most successful French uh, freestyle snowboarder with being a world class surfer? into becoming what you call a multi-skilled rider who's really traveling the world to experience nature in some of the most amazing places like Hawaii, um, the Alps, even Norway. How do, you, how do you do all of that together? Well, it has to come from my background and from where I grew up. Um, I had the chance to uh, grow up in the southwest of France uh, between the mountains and the ocean. So uh, uh, my family... My father and my mother, when I when I was born, uh, spent the winters in in the mountains. Uh, my father is a ski instructor, and and my mom as well a little bit. So um, I was born in October, and by pretty much December, we would spend our winter uh, up in the resorts and up in the mountains. And as soon as the snow would melt, we joined my grandparents. My grandparents lived in the Basque Country and Les Landes, so on the on the French Atlantic coast. Uh, known for really good waves. So that's pretty much how it all started for me, uh, from my family background and from where we grew up. And that pretty much forged my passion for those sports. And yeah, my connection to to water in, uh, in all its form, whether it, it was solid in the winter, whether it was liquid in the summer, that's how it started. <laughs> and and yeah, I was fortunate enough to uh, to embrace this and you know yeah my, my parents were people that would, that, that was uh, a lot into uh, those kind of sports and I got passionate right away and yeah I don't remember being pushed that much but more uh, supported and I remember just like my parents just you know offering me experiences and then letting me do my own experience and 
if I loved it, then <laughs> it was game on. They would just support me and, and help me uh, achieve my goals and, and what I wanted to do. But yeah, it was it was just like, give me the cards to have uh, nice experiences and, and live them. So you, the way you've described water, be it a frozen or liquid form, the way you talked about your life growing up is that water was your playground in some form or another. Um, and that you've spent your whole life in these playgrounds. But you've said before that these playgrounds have changed quite dramatically since when you first started at a very, very young age to where you are today. Talk to us a little mm -hmm. bit about that. Yeah, it, it obviously changed. And, and the fact that I've spent a lot of time uh, next to this element, I've seen those changes, which is kind of weird because on if, if you... Uh, if you think about uh, the timeline or, or, or the, the time scale of nature, uh, we and myself as a 36-year-old now and starting snowboarding around six, uh, I should not be able to see the changes, the changes as, as dramatically as, as, it, as it has. But let's, starting with the mountains, what really strikes me today is especially in France and, and, and in the Pyrenees, which is quite south. Um, and let's take the example of this winter. Uh, we started the winter with an amazing snow, like we had maybe like a meter of fresh pow and, and powder, sorry, and um, super cold temperature. So the snow was amazing and conditions were really stable uh, in terms of avalanches and all this. So it was, it was great. And then all of a sudden, uh, in February, it started being super warm and it was like 10 degrees up in at 2,100 meters, uh, 2,000 meters, sorry. And, and then back again in March, it was cold. And so it's, that's what's really, really strange and really difficult to, uh, to apprehend because in terms of security and safety, when you, you go in the mountains, you need snow stability, especially when you go out in the backcountry and try to do some film about free riding and stuff. We all know how, how dangerous the mountains are. And, uh, you know, I've lost friends in avalanches and stuff. And, um, and it's really hard these days to actually get the feeling on how the snowpack is going to be because of those variation of temperatures within a few days, even like a night, like it could be minus 10 one day and the next day it could be 10 degrees. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm speaking in Celsius and meters. <laughs> You'll have to do the conversion, but <laughs> I don't really know how to do the, the, the well, conversion. Well, suffice to say 10, 10 degrees Celsius is <clears throat> at least 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, which is, at least 40 degrees Fahrenheit, yeah. Especially at the altitudes that you're at, which are yeah. six, seven, 8,000 feet. Yeah, exactly. That is really, really warm, especially for February, March. Yeah, and so that's that's how it is. This snowpack that is supposed to that is supposed to be quite stable and quite compact, uh, it's just going all over the place, and and it makes like big avalanches, and you never know how to predict predict them and stuff. And in in my daily life as a snowboarder, as a freerider, this is really difficult. And yeah, and this is due to those temperatures raising and and dropping like like crazy and and i remember as a kid that the winters would start in december and would end in april and it was pretty much linear from from then to uh, yeah from december to april and and now you we call it february april you know because february can can be like 
like spring and you have like crazy warm temperatures and um and then it's a problem for all the people that live in the mountains and that's a problem for the economy of the mountains as well because obviously in in Europe we have big holidays in February and that's when a lot of people come in the mountains and and want to experience and have a good times in the mountain and that's when sometimes snow is missing so then the resort have to think about solutions and so they use snowmakers even more and more and we know that snowmaking is not a really durable solution as far as uh, as the impact that it has on on water on on energy consumption and stuff so yeah it's just it's really strange and and for the oceans obviously we all know about uh, the increase of pollution uh, the increase of macro and moreover micro pollution uh, biological pollution which obviously as as a surfer when i'm when i'm home and when i'm in in the basque country i try to surf or at least go in the water every day whether it's for surfing foiling uh swimming whatever i love to be in the water and um and I'm, that brings the problem of a uh, disease and and health problem and i know that a lot of my friends myself included and stuff we have we are more um subject to some disease for the eyes the ears and and lungs and stuff like this so so that itself is is a major problem but then we know all the problems on the biodiversity uh which is just uh, a huge part of of the fragile balance of our ecosystems and uh and obviously our uh, our playing fields suffer from all this and and the fact that we have the coastlines that have dramatically changed as well like i've seen stuff in like some some of the um, of the cliff bends uh, on on the on the Basque Country coast have have like eroded a lot. Like this winter, especially, we have we've had some some pretty big um, storms. And the fact that you know the water is rising little bit by little bit, and it, it's just like eroding even more and more, and and that's a huge problem for a lot of of the people living on the coastlines. I want to come back to some of the very important points uh, that you just raised and some of the, the problems that you're seeing. But before we do that, I just I would like you to to inspire us a little bit for a few minutes. You know, take us in one of one of the playgrounds that you love more than any place else in the world. What was that one moment where you just fell in love with nature? Um I had the chance to do an amazing trip when I was only 10 years old and I embarked on a, on a journey uh, to do a snowboard film uh, with some of my heroes of that time in Greenland on the east coast of Greenland in a little village called Tassilak. And imagine a little kid, 10 year old, just starting snowboarding and being passionate about snowboarding and one day uh my dad came and was like yeah well um there is this uh, brand uh quicksilver who wants to take you on a trip to greenland with some of your heroes what are you up to i'm like yeah sure but where is greenland you know it was back in 1995 so internet was not really <laughs> on yet and stuff. So I had to go to the library with, with my school and, and try to find some, uh, some books about Greenland, find out where it was on a map and, and get inspired, like get to know a bit about the, the country and how it was. 
and um, and and what I like to do when I when I travel usually, um, I don't like to get too um, into the culture and not getting too much information about the country before I go because I like to to still have. Uh, a bit of a surprise when I get there. I want to know the basic of obviously a bit of language, a bit of the of the culture, a bit of of this. But I like to to get there and and you know get inspired by the people living there and yeah, just get the surprise and and get the feel of the thing and not know everything before going. That feeling started from from this trip and from the day I we landed. It was a short landing strip, pretty much on 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 the glaciers there and so we uh we we stepped out of the plane and um and there was uh waiting some uh some sleds and and dog sleds just for us to reach the village and, and i was amazed and we just spent three weeks snowboarding there and and experiences and experienced this uh this this amazing uh, playing field, which was just made of snow and ice, and just yeah, it was just endless. Like everywhere I looked, it was just mountains and mountains ending in the ocean. And more than than this, it was also the culture and and the shock of culture. You know, when you're ten years old, you you don't have much to compare it yourself to, and all of a sudden you realize that there is a different way of a total different way of living than your own self uh, and what you've known from your friends, your family, where you grew up and stuff. So it's just an amazing eye-opener for a kid. <laughs> and this trip was the starting point of pretty much everything else after that. You know, I was like, I didn't realize at that point, but with a bit of, of, of vision from now, I'm, I'm sure that when I got back, I was like, well, if snowboarding can give me the chance to experience such as experiences as, as this uh, as, as what i just lived for three weeks then you know i'm I'm not gonna let that chance go by and i'm just gonna embrace it and do whatever i can to um to still be able to leave stuff like this so and 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 then obviously on on the beauty that we were surrounded by every day it was i was just amazed you know like yeah just just wild strong as well because it was it was tough you know it was cold it was a lot of we had like the, the some of you the, the days we were there we had the piterac which is a wind that can go uh up to 200 250 kilometers an hour um so it's a really really strong nature and but we could feel it was fragile as well you know it's uh it's it's where it's it's struck me as well that fragile balance between strong and and uh, and fragile and i was really touched uh emotionally from this trip definitely so i that's really a really wonderful experience and i'm really jealous that you got to experience something like that at such a young age that's really a <laughs> yeah a wonderful experience but i have to ask um because you you've written something and i'm going to i'm going to read it because I, I would like your reaction to it you wrote, surfing and snowboarding are, are essential to me. They allow me to be close from nature and have taught me her weakness. It makes me want to go on an adventure far from the usual comfort and constantly challenge myself. What struck me in that, in what you wrote, is that you said that it has taught you the weakness of nature. 
And when I hear about just this expedition to Greenland, or when I see how hard you train um, for your surfing expeditions, I mean, training that's at a level at equal to or beyond that of any professional athlete in a traditional sport. Mm-hmm. I don't see someone who is entering nature with the perception that it is weak. I mean, you are, you're training your body to withstand nature at its most powerful. How do you, to me, that seems very contradictory. How can you see nature as weak and train <laughs> so hard to prevent it from, from either injuring or killing you? Yeah, well, I, I think I made a little mistake uh, in, in that sentence. And by, by weakness, I didn't really want to say this. I, I think I more wanted to talk about the fragility and, and what I said before and the more, more of not the fragility of nature, but the fragility of the balance of it and the balance between the, the strength and its limits and the, and the fragility of the balance that, um, that how uh, humanity and how the living is on this planet. And we know that by altering with this balance, which is fragile, we're definitely arming nature. And, and by arming nature, we're arming uh, ourselves <laughs> because we're not above the nature we're we're part of it and we're into it and, and this is what brings us life and so yeah i think i, I made a little mistake there uh but obviously you, you pointed the strength of the nature and the playgrounds that i confront myself uh of and obviously mountains are amazingly strong and big waves obviously as well and as a human, you have to be really humble to face those elements. And we often say that we have to confront ourselves to those elements and, and to fight against or whatever. And, and I don't really like those words. To me, it's more um, adapting ourselves and trying to get inspired by nature and trying to blend in and trying to understand uh, the strength the weaknesses sometimes or the fragility of that balance and get into it to make the most of it and make the most of it, not just for ourselves, but make the most of it. And uh, how are we going to, as, as, as an athlete, I'm all, not always, but I'm, I'm seeking for performance. And as an athlete in outdoor sports, performance to me, come, I'm, I'm not the only one in charge. I have to play with nature and and what nature brings me like either either it's a wave uh none of the waves are going to be the same all of the waves are going to be different and i know i'll have to adapt myself in a way that i'm going to ride this wave and you know if i was like i don't know a tennis player i could hit like a million balls against the wall and just like get better like this the wall is never going to change it's always going to be there and it's always going to bounce the same way but as of myself and, and other uh, athletes and riders that are surfers or paragliders or, or uh, skiers, snowboarders, whatever, in every outdoor sports, it's an ever-changing uh, playground. And so we have to adapt a lot and, and get a strong connection with nature. And that's, that's the beauty of it. It's that we can train as much as we can. There will always be a part that we don't control and the only way to try to control it as much as possible is just to be aware and just to look and just to feel and understand that we're not 
the only ones in charge and we have to adapt to what nature brings us and gives us. So just, you know, listening to you talk, it's, it's been very inspiring. I'm ready to go, go experience nature just from, from hearing this and in the films that you've created, the amazing adventures you've been on. I mean, you've, you, you really do inspire others to follow in your footsteps. And as you said, like inspire or experience nature to its fullest. <laughs> Thank you. But how do we, how do we balance mm-hmm. the challenge of making nature more accessible to more people while realizing that, as you said, we, we have to, we have to protect and preserve and we have to find a balance with nature. How do you balance those two things? This is definitely a good point. And this is, it's easier for me to say it when I live, whether in the mountains or close to the ocean, and I have the chance to have an amazing life. And, and, and so my, my point is, uh, I'm, I'm sure that even in the, in the, in the cities, you know, you're, uh, it's, it's easy when you're stuck in a, in a big city surrounded by concrete uh, surrounded by noise, surrounded by cars, everything. It's easy to get stuck into this and just be, you know, you have your day-to-day life that is what it is. And it's it's quite easy to get disconnected from nature. And I think the connection to nature is is not, you don't have to go out every day and be able to surf, be able to hike, be able to trail, be able to, if if you can, that's amazing, and and you should. If you have the chance to do it, do it. But if you're stuck in a city, the reconnection to nature starts with just like looking up, looking at the sky, looking at the birds, looking at the trees, and trying to just disconnect from you know all human activities and from the concrete, and just try to. Yeah, look around and see how beautiful it is, you know, because we're surrounded, whether like uh, there's a lot of a lot of the cities are built close to a river or next to a lake or stuff like this. And, and yeah, just take a moment to breathe, make a little pause and, and yeah, try to reconnect by nature, by the beauty of it as well and what it brings you. And I'm sure by doing this, you will feel more and more connected to it. And then, obviously, if you have the chance to go out and experience some of the nature in, in its fullest you know, form, well, that's the best way to do it. And, and I think if you and that's why I think outdoor sports and nature sports are a great way to to experience that is because and, and that's why I, I like to talk about playing fields is because when you learn to love something, you will want to protect to protect it anyways at any cost so to me that that's it if you learn how to love your playing fields you'll want to protect it and in a way that's what you're doing with your work with an organization called water family where you're you're actually going into classrooms you're you're working with kids you're educating them about the importance of preserving water and the connection between healthy water and the health of humans and frankly, all living things, not just humans. And in a sense, that works very similar to what we do at Global Conservation Corps in, in South Africa. So can you just explain a little bit more about the, the connection between education and appreciation for nature and then taking the steps to actually preserve and protect nature? 
Yeah, of course. Um, this actually started, uh, we started the organization about 12 years ago, and it started as a will of transmitting. And it's starting between my dad and I, and uh, my parents are from a generation where uh, environ environmental issues were not a huge question. You know, it, it was, you know, they're... Uh, they were born in the 50s and had like you know the the good years where you could do pretty much anything you wanted and and it was it was cool um but they always lived close to nature uh, as i told you i you know my family background is what led me to what i'm doing today so they always you know transmitted this to me uh in the way we we lived and then we realized that where we lived between the mountains and the oceans um, were a great way to talk about the cycle of water. And we started the, the organization the first year about organizing uh, a sporting odyssey from the mountains to the waves. And uh, so we started from the Peak du Midi, which is uh, one of the most iconic mountains in the Pyrenees. And we ended up in, in Biarritz. And between those two iconic mountain and ocean spots, there is a river uh, that flows down called Ladour. And so we uh, pretty much realized that uh, when a snowflake falls down on the mountain, it's still pure from any pollution. And as soon as it starts melting and getting into the river, it starts encountering uh, human activity and with the industries and it starts getting a bit more pollution and more and more as long as as it goes towards the ocean and and the ocean unfortunately unfortunately sorry um ends up being the waste of everything that happens above the above there and um and so we realized it was a good way to to talk about that cycle of water and about how all the elements were interconnected between them and that we as human didn't really know. We realized that people from the ocean and people from the mountains didn't really talk together and didn't really understand the connection that they had. Sometimes people from the ocean would be like, oh, okay, but it's like, we, it's not our fault. We, we are doing everything we can here, but then it's all comes from way up from the rivers and from other cities and stuff. And, and so that's how it started. And, and we wanted to start with bringing that message to kids because kids obviously are the future. And I had that connection with the experience that I felt when I was 10 years old. And that was a real life changer to me. And I felt that if as an, an adult, we kept that connection to our inner child, it would be easier for us, you know, to, to be, uh, to love nature and, and to be involved in, in all this. And um, so it's a mix of all those reflections and all, all those, those experiences that led us to, uh, to start the organization. And, um, and yeah, as, as I said, the, the kids are the people that are going to be in charge very soon. And I still feel young, <laughs> even though I'm growing up, but our mission today as, adults is just to uh, help those kids push us. Actually, they're going to be the one pushing us towards making better, uh, better stuff in the near future. So yeah, it's, it's just a, 
it's the cycle of water and the cycle of life. That's that's a beautiful way to look at it. So, do you feel that this this the young generation, the kids that you interact with, will be able to change how uh, society interacts with and values nature in a way that sometime in your lifetime, in my lifetime, we can at least turn nature back to what your your parents were able to experience you know 50 years ago yeah i'm i'm pretty sure i'm i'm a positive person <laughs> i'll try to be um and and yeah i feel like there is definitely um a will and a change in 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 how kids are acting today and and what really well it, there's still a lot to be done uh or mainly on the political side because we as 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 people uh we can do everything we want in our daily lives if if the political side doesn't push towards this as well it's going to be tough but it's we're all in this together so we have to we all have our our uh, our role to play but i feel like like i've seen like some of my i i don't have kids yet uh but some of my friends that i, that I do have kids or people that i that i meet sometimes and 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 that have their kids in the schools that we uh that we went to and uh, and spread our message uh, with the water family. Uh, then the parents are like, "Whoa, it's amazing! Like my kid is educating me." And it's like it's kids that have eight, ten years old, and they come back to their parents' place, there to their houses uh, after a day with with us, and and they just make their parents change, you know. And it's just like and. And and for them, it's it's natural to uh, you know to act uh, accordingly to you know not wasting water or recycling. It's it's little things, but it's little things that we were not used to do 20 years ago. And so it's it's quite hard to change our habits. It it demands uh, a lot of efforts. But if you have those habits like at, at a young age, then then you're you're all like it's it's a lot easier and if you uh if you inspire those kids to be more connected to nature as well they would once again they would they would learn to love it and they would learn to understand it as well because education is is about like understanding as well it's not only it's not only about like learning how to um to act better as uh, as a human by by recycling or or different stuff like this or or traveling differently or whatever it's about understanding what's around us and what's the stakes for the future as well and and why the climate is changing and 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 what can we do about it and so yeah to me the education is really important and uh and and even for the ad- the adults i'm always curious and i always want to learn more and and education is not only for kids it's for everyone we all have to uh, and that's why once again I, I i love and i try to inspire people to do this as well and stay connected to our inner inner kid in, to our 10 year old self because when you're 10 years old you're just curious about everything you just want to learn about everything you want to experience a lot of things and you don't and and your mind is is not the word I, uh, what i want to express is that when you're an adult obviously you're you're forged by your environment a bit more you know and as a kid you're everything is is natural you know so yeah i feel like um 
education is definitely a, a huge part, a huge part of a bright future. And I, I just I have to ask this this question because I was been thinking about it through the lens of your experiences, which is if you if you had a parent that came to you and said, Matthew, you have you have so inspired me. My kids have inspired me. Uh, like I I want to go on a big adventure and I truly want to experience nature to its fullest extent. I want to take on nature, but I'm really scared of, of how to do that. How do, how would you help me overcome my fear? Because I, I want to do something that's just completely out of my comfort zone, which you spend a lot of time out of your comfort zone, because I really want to experience nature so that I can better appreciate nature and all the things she provides my me in my life. How do you overcome that? Or how would you tell me to overcome that? Well, it's... Uh, the- I'm going to take the comparison of of how it is uh, in in sports when you want to become an athlete and be one of the best in the world or whatever. It's it's uh, it goes step by step, and obviously um, you can't go and sail across the world if you've never sailed. Yeah, they have. <laughs> people have done it. <laughs> some crazy people have done it, and some have succeeded, and 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 some have not, but. You know, the the key to me is to to go step by step and go experience, you know, if you want to experience nature to the fullest and maybe you can start by, you know, go camping for a weekend, you know, bring your whole family, get a tent, uh, get a hike. You can hike like for an hour or two from from the trailhead and and just spend some some like like 24 hours 48 hours out there and you can like you know you're not out out too far especially when you get when you have kids and stuff you want to be safe but and little by little you're going to you know experience a bit more and, and deeper uh what you want to do and 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 for my future expeditions I I want to use uh sailboats as the main part of uh, of tra- transportation and i'm not a sailor i didn't like i have basic really basic knowledge about sailing but what i'm gonna do is like experience a bit with like experienced people and yeah and base and and ask the help of other people that have more experience than me and 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 not be shamed to be like, okay, this is not my <laughs> my expertise, so please come help me. That's that's what I want to achieve, uh, and I need you to help me achieve it, and or at least help me into learning some techniques, like learning some some little details, and um, and yeah, and and that's one of the key as well is to learn from others that are more experienced than us. So this sounds really interesting. Uh, it sounds quite adventurous. So you are going to start to uh, sail to your the locations of your next adventures and expeditions. Is that did I hear that correctly? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, my 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 next um, expedition will take uh, place in spring 2022. And the key and, and yeah, the idea of the expedition will be to go back to Greenland to uh, the village uh, where I experienced my first trip in, in 1995 and sail from France to Greenland uh, to experience and to explore a bit more of the, you know, the, 
on on the snowboarding part when i was 10 years old obviously i was not allowed and i was not able to do all to go down all the mountains i wanted to do and i saw some amazing stuff and and the guides and the older guys were like no 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 you can't go there and i'm like why not because you're 10 year old <laughs> and that you know and since then i'm like wow i remember that playground that was amazing and those amazing mountains that that I, I i could go down and experience and so i want to i want to go back there for in a, a part of this and a big part of the expedition will be as well to reconnect with the kids that was uh, my age when i was there and um and spend some time with them and and learn what uh, has been their uh, their daily life for 20 for the past 25 years and how their their life has evolved and how it is today and we all know that greenland is uh, is at the center of a lot of geopolitical uh discussions a lot of the climate change discussions obviously because because the global warming is is taking part like is is uh, is a lot stronger at the at, at, at the poles in the uh, Arctic and Antarctic. So, um, and the link in between all this is, and, and why I wanted to go sailing there is because obviously it's a neutral uh, way of transportation, but it's always, it's, it's also an adventure by itself. And so it's gonna take two weeks to three weeks just to reach uh, the, the, the southern tip of Greenland. And then we'll have to sail again. And you'll, you'll leave from, southern france right yeah that's the uh, that's the idea <laughs> so uh so yeah that's a big adventure and and in this adventure what i want to do uh because it's just the first part of the of a, of a bigger project that's uh, aiming to um to enlighten uh the link between the the melting of the glaciers and the evolution of the the oceans and pretty much uh the fact that the melting of the ocean of the glaciers, sorry, might have an impact on on the the evolution of the marine currents and how and how this impacts the all of us and and the climate globally. Because two of the major uh, thermic regulators on the planet are the glaciers and the oceans. So um, yeah, bring a bit of a of, of a scientific program in this as well, of a educational program. And obviously, and and there will be a documentary film uh, retracing all this as well. Yeah. So, just I was going to ask you. So, you'll you'll be filming it. Are you bringing like scientists with you? Will you be doing a lot of this research uh, by yourself? No. Once uh, once again, I'm I'm just the you know I'm just curious and I'm just the initiator of this project. And and then I I want to bring with me uh experts people that are experts in 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 their uh in their fields so yeah we'll we'll have some scientists maybe one scientist on board and then meet some scientists over there uh and the idea uh in the next maybe not for greenland but for the next project is bring some other uh uh athletes as well that have experience in in different parts of the water cycle uh, the idea is to um, is to have a, a film crew with us as well and spend some time in the village and, and understand what their uh, what their life is because it's really I think for us it could be really inspiring how how they have as they have uh, experienced the changes uh, a lot more than us already they have adapted already to their 
nature that was changing. And for us, and I remember going there when I, I, I told you it was quite rough some days when we're in Greenland. Obviously, you have uh, in the winter or in the spring, you have ice everywhere, you have the snow everywhere. And for us, living uh, in a more uh, um, mild temperature uh, zones of the globe, uh, it could be pretty crazy to be living in, in, in the snow uh, nine or ten months out of the year. But for them, it's, they, they were raised and, and they were, it's always been in their culture. So changing this, they have to adapt themselves a lot. And maybe some, some people will say, well, this is bad. And, and, and you know, we're used to live with snow all around us. And this is, this is how we've always lived. And, and, and this is really difficult for us to adapt. And some others maybe will be like, yeah, well, climate change allows me to grow tomatoes in the summer in <laughs> Greenland, true. which is pretty amazing, but it's a way of adapting, you know, and, and one of the key as well to, um, for us, for, for us as, as humans is definitely slow down climate change and, and slow down like all, all the arming we've, we've done to, to our planet and to nature. But one of, of the keys to learn and to know how to adapt to, to changes because, some of the changes are irreversible. Yeah. Uh, when you talk to scientists, yeah. you know, there's some stuff that we can still change and, and act on, you know, on stopping and, and, and reversing. Uh, but some other changes, unfortunately, we've, we've gone too far already. And all we can do is to adapt to this. So, uh, yeah, get inspired by, by people that have uh, that have had to adapt themselves pretty quickly. Well, maybe you'll grant us the honor of... Uh recording another podcast when you're in Greenland next year. We'd, yeah, love, to, love, to. we'd love to hear from you as part of your adventure. <laughs> yeah. But this whole that whole adventure just sounds just so wonderful. And, you know, as you said, you're looking to be inspired by people who've had to adapt. And and that really leads to the last question I want to ask you, which is, you know, we started this conversation talking about a lot of the threats and issues we face um, regarding our health as humans, regarding the state of nature. And we have, you know, you've talked about then the, your work, kids and educating them on, on the importance of protecting nature. And if there's just one reason why you're so hopeful um, for that, in fact, we, we can turn around some of the things that we are able to turn around in terms of the health of nature. What's the one reason that, that gives you the most hope or the one thing that gives you the most hope? Well, what, what gives me hope is it's, the fact that I see a lot of people and a lot of, and, and mainly the young generation raising and uh, and getting involved a lot more in in into all those questions of climate change and uh, and wanting to reconnect and replace humanity at as a part of nature and not above it and just knowing that and seeing that. I think it's a huge part of a bright future because um, human being is amazing. We can see what we've done. Some of the things that we have done as humans are not great, but some of the things are pretty amazing. And if we uh, decide to act uh, and put our energy and put our uh, brains and put our emotions and, and get ourselves together into the fact of protecting nature and, and bringing 
uh, back nature in our daily life, then I think we can be looking at a bright future <laughs> because humans are, are pretty amazing people. <laughs> we are. And that's a wonderful way to end it. Matthew, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck on all your, your truly inspiring and incredible adventures. And we look forward to hearing and seeing a lot more of your, your wonderful experiences. Thank you very much. That was a great time. Okay, take care.